just like plumbers don't really do their plumbing, you'll find the, the worst landscaping at a landscaper's house. I go in and I see guys with shops that'll fit trucks in them, right. and they're just a metal building. They are totally uninsulated. <laughs> This is the one and only, the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value. You're listening to Our Value. Brought to you by America's insulation source, IDI Distributors. You want to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival in the business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business? Our Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the Our Value podcast to become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with Our Value. Well, as most of you out there realize, there are a bunch of programs coming out with all kinds of incentives and rebates and things like that. And one of the most confusing is the 179D. So what did we do? We went out and we started talking to 179D providers, or I should say partners, people that go out and actually help you get that particular rebate. And what I found was many of them just didn't really want to talk. They wanted to talk about whether or not I had a building over 50,000 square feet. And so that became discouraging until I landed on Cherry Beckert. And what I did, I talked to them and it was a different world. So I asked Bill Harbison with Cherry Beckert to come on board and talk to us about the 17090. Bill, thank you for coming on. Oh, Ken, thank you so much for having me today. Cool. So from your side then, what is the 179D? So the 179D, the full name is the Energy Efficient Commercial Building Deduction. Uh, So it was introduced in 2005 as part of the Energy Energy Policy Act, uh, both 179D as well as 45L, which is a similar um, credit for residential buildings. Um, 179D was introduced again in 2005, took in, uh, was enacted in 2006, and it is a way to encourage building owners to design and construct energy efficient commercial buildings. Uh, commercial building being anything that is not residential. So uh, in the eyes of the IRS, for, for these purposes, there are two different kinds of buildings, residential and commercial. 179D addresses commercial. So commercial can be a warehouse, an office building, a hospital, a school, um, anything that's not a house. I, I have to say, though, you gave one of the most golden lines I've ever heard. And that was when I asked you the first time I talked to you, what's the 179D? Do you remember what your answer was? The most underused tax credit ever. Right. I, I yes. Uh, to you know, based off of all of our research, um, you know, as little as five percent of the, the eligible buildings actually claim a 179D deduction. I want to. I want you to say that again. So what you're saying is, ninety five percent of the buildings that could get one aren't taking it. Based on some estimations that that we've received, yes. Um, and there's a number number of reasons for that. Um, you know, sometimes a building owner um, they they just don't feel like it's going to impact their their taxes in a positive way. And and look, it 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 is not the perfect solution every single time. So there's some times where you know, they'll, they'll leave that deduction on the table. If I'm a building owner and I'm going to 
sell my building quickly. It, 179B is a form of accelerated depreciation. So you would be, that would affect a, a future sale of the property. However, um, you know, as, as you can tell, it was originally introduced as, a, as an incentive for building owners. However, um, and I think that's what we're gonna spend some time talking about today. In 2008, a lot happened, uh, <laughs> right? Um, not only did the economy collapse, but particularly hard hit where members of the AEC industry are architects and engineers construction. So as a way to both encourage more energy efficient design and construction, uh, but also um, help bolster the AEC industry, which was going through some tough times back then. I was I was in the industry back then. Um, they expanded the 179D incentive to include government-owned facilities. So a high school, school district, for instance, they don't pay taxes. Well, they can allocate a deduction, a 179D deduction, to an eligible taxpayer that's worked on their building. Um, and that is the majority of the 179D deductions that are taken today are done uh, through that mechanism. What you're saying is a lot of the nonprofits, government buildings, things like that, they're using that money to pay for contracting they otherwise probably would not have done. Uh, not, not quite. Um, it, so, so um, and this is a common uh, misunderstanding when we talk to the building owners is, is the government owners, whether it's a school district, whether it's a college, whether it's a local government, they are not spending a nickel on these studies. They are not signing checks going to these, these eligible taxpayers. These are federal dollars coming straight from the, the treasury. So it is a is a tax deduction which could generate a refund. So the the advantage of this program is that when we go and ask the the government owner of a particular building for a deduction or for an allocation for a deduction, they're not out any money. So it's it's a pretty easy ask for us usually. Um, it, you know, it, if not, um, kind of a, a longer uh, request just because you know it's a matter of educating them as well. Um, so. The, the positive thing that the government owner is getting from this is a they're getting an energy efficient design, energy con efficient construction. Uh, they're bolstering their local communities by putting those do tax dollars back in the hands of these um, contractors and engineers, things like that in the local areas. But also they're getting a an energy study, so they're able to go and say, based off of the work that we paid for for this building, we save this many dollars um, in, in energy usage. Let's go use this to ask for more money. Um, and so, so it can be a real big advantage for the government owners as well. Um, but, but chiefly, they're not, they're, not a, they're not out any money by doing this, which is a, a real positive thing and helps the program kind of stay afloat. And in the end, that pays the contractor for the work. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. The, the, the deduction is, is for the taxpayer. Um, the, the people doing the work on these buildings, the design and construction, that's, that's who it was meant for. Um, you know, I've, I've, had a, I've heard an expert say that if the government wanted these building owners to have that money, it would have given it to them. Uh, so the, 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 the full intent is that it goes straight to these, um, these taxpayers. Now, when you say taxpayer, though, we're talking about the contract, the contractors getting paid. That's correct. Yes, they're they're, they're taking it. Oh, they're they're taking a advantage of a tax deduction, um, which can often generate a tax refund. 
um, but uh, it ultimately it will lower their tax liability. In the beginning, I was told that only buildings 50,000 square feet and up would qualify. When I was talking to you, now that we have, well, okay, so let's back up. The old 179D was mm-hmm. up to a dollar eighty a square foot. That's correct. And really, in my industry, only sixty cents a square foot would cover the building envelope. That's correct. Now we're looking at up to five dollars, depending on what happens with the building and prevailing wage and all of that. My question is, on that number of fifty thousand square feet. Is that really what's necessary to qualify? Or if I make a big difference on a 5,000 square foot building, is that worthwhile? Because I know your firm still has to be paid to show that what we did made that much of a difference. Uh, right, Ken, you're, you're touching a lot of very important points kind of surrounding this, uh, which is one thing is, is that the deduction must be certified by a third party. Uh, it's in the tax code. You can't do it yourself as a as a taxpayer that wants to take the deduction. You have to go out and hire somebody like Cherry Beckert to do the study for you. So there are costs involved, no matter how you know you want to want to cut it up. That being said, a fifty thousand square foot cutoff is is something that I've heard before, but it's not one that I agree with. Um, there is no minimum building size to take advantage of one seventy nine deduction. Um, however, as costs do get incurred. Um, there could be a reduction of the, the ROI once you get to a smaller building size. Um, that being said, um, I would encourage anybody that's interested in the 179D program, do not self-censor. Don't say, oh, this is a small building. We're not going to mess with it. Reach out to a trusted provider, someone that's um, in your area or someone that's that's got a national presence, like Cherry Beckert, um, and let them tell you what the, the uh, return on investment would be for you. You know, just to give you an example with this new, and, and I do want to talk about it quite a bit here, the, the Inflation Reduction Act expanded the deduction to be $5 a square foot. Well, even a 5,000 square foot building, that's a $25,000 tax deduction for an eligible taxpayer. And, and you know, shoot, for $25,000, you know, I'd, I'd certainly uh, look into it. Um, so, Long story short, there's no minimum. Um, there, there are things like the inspection costs and, and things like that, that that have to be considered by by the taxpayer, by the interested party. But um, that's something that a, a good one and deep provider is going to help you make a decision for or with. Um, so, you know, especially now with with uh, you know the new provisions for the Inflation Reduction Act, um, I haven't come across a building that was too small um, yet. So, you know, take that as you will. Perfect. So what yeah. you guys are actually doing, you're doing the energy modeling for what's to be done or what's already been done? Both. So for a company that's working on a government-owned building and they're seeking an allocation from the government owner, uh, the deduction will be placed on the tax return of the year in which the project was placed into service. So uh, let's say you you finished uh, building a brand new high school last year in 2021. We do an analysis for you, you generate the deduction. You would put that on your 2021 tax return. If you've already filed your taxes for 2021, you would amend that return to, to claim that deduction for a refund. Now, for future work, we can absolutely take a look at your project, look at, take a look at your design, and hey, we can we can let you know 
pretty easily, or not easily, but, but pretty, pretty quickly, if a deduction would be available based off of the existing design. And if it's not, you could go back and, and make adjustments as needed. So we can model future tents. And something that Sherry Becker does is a gratis review of a design or, or piece of construction and, and let you know if we think a deduction would be available for it. Um, so I would encourage you to reach out early and often. Um, so you got a future project, we can help you tax plan for it. Um, help let you know if there's going to be a deduction available, et cetera, and then you know, ultimately help pursue it for you. If I'm doing, let's say I get contacted by the a local microbrewery mm-hmm. and they want to take advantage of this, mm-hmm. I can reach out to you as mm-hmm. I'm designing the scope of work and you can give me an idea whether or not it looks like we're there or if more measures might need to be taken or if we're all the way in. Absolutely. What we cannot do as Cherry Beckard is say, okay, your design won't meet the threshold, so go make these changes. As soon as we do that, we become part of the design party and then we lose our third party status. What we can do is say, this will or will not meet the requirements. If not, these are the deficiencies and then you can adjust if you want, but we can absolutely do that with you. Um, and for, for a building owner, such as say a microbrewery or a commercial space, they want to claim these 179D deductions and, and uh, a contractor can help them claim them. Yeah. Let us, let us take a look at it early um, you know, upfront uh, before you get too far into the process. I read that qualifying is based on ASHRAE 90.1. Can, mm-hmm. can you speak to that a little bit? Some fantastic updates have happened as part of the Inflation Reduction Act 2022, just passed in August. You already mentioned probably the biggest one, which is the expansion to a maximum of $5 per square foot. That has also brought on some additional changes on how the deduction is ultimately calculated. Um, and that is based around an energy model of ASHRAE 90.1. ASHRAE 90.1 is kind of is the Bible on how to do an energy analysis for a commercial space. ASHRAE 90.2 would be for residences. So um, the updates that happened in 2022, which will take uh, take effect uh, January 1 of 2023, are an update that a building will be checked against the ASHRAE 90.1 standard four years prior to that building being placed into service. So there is the closest. So the ASHRAE 90.1 gets updated every three years. Um, if I've got a project placed into service in say 2024, I will go to the closest ASHRAE standards four years prior. That being said, the as part of the program, the 170D program, the Secretary of the Treasury has to approve and promulgate an ASHRAE standard, which can be applied for a 179D analysis. What that means is that one has not been approved and promulgated by the Secretary of the Treasury since 2007. So right now, any 179D model that we would do for you right now would be compared to ASHRAE 90.1 of 2007. Wow. So quite, quite an old standard. Um, that's right. Uh, now that will change. That will update. Um, we will get a new standard. My guess is they will update it to either 2016 or maybe even 2019, but I'm going to guess 2016 based off of previous updates. So 
um, still an older standard uh, compared to um, what, what buildings are being built to today. Um, what's going to happen is we're going to take two, two models. We're going to build the, the building as it exists today, following its upgrades, renovations, or if it's a new construction. And then we'll build the exact same building using our modeling software and compare it to as though that building were built in 2007. Compare the energy consumption year over year, or excuse me, energy costs year over year. And depending on the thresholds that are met, um, you can qualify for a reduction. So in 2023, that will be a sliding scale, starting at 25% energy cost savings, all the way up to 50% at two cents per square foot, which equals between 50 cents and a dollar per square foot uh, of available deduction. We mentioned prevailing wage and uh, apprenticeship requirements. If certain prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements are met, that 50 cents to a dollar goes to 250 to $5 per square foot. So a huge jump um, if, if you meet those requirements. That's a massive incentive to pay prevailing right. wage. That's correct. Absolutely. And that's, that's um, you know, what, what Congress had in mind when they passed these, this legislation. Um, they put a lot of incentives um, they, they connected a lot of incentives to these prevailing wages and to these apprenticeship requirements. Now, Ken, I will tell you that just like updating the ASHRAE standard, while Congress has required that these programs will adhere to prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements, the Secretary of the Treasury has not yet themselves uh, finalized the requirements, documentation requirements, promulgated everything. Anything in process right now and up until that they do approve those prevailing wage requirements, they will not be in effect. So if I'm at a project, regardless of paying prevailing wage or not, placed into service in 2023, I can automatically get that $5 per square foot provided that we hit the, the energy thresholds. So it's going to be quite a... Quite a lot of fruit on the ground in early 2023 until this new updated prevailing wage standard comes in. That's that's correct. And any project that's in process when it when it comes into effect will be grandfathered in. So I, I estimate, and, and I spoke to uh, to the partner in our practice this morning about it. We estimate that it's going to be uh, as late as July before those um, requirements actually get put down on paper and and um, are enforced. So if I'm in, you know, central Nebraska, somewhere mm -hmm. where wages are low and things like that, if right. I go out, pay a decent wage, get projects mm -hmm. started, get them sold, get something going on the ground prior to the passing of that, which may be July, then oh. all of that qualifies for the up to $5 a square foot, depending on where I come in against ASHRAE. That's correct. Then... When we look at that money breakdown, $5 a square foot versus a dollar a square foot, that's mm -hmm. pretty substantial. But even the two fifty versus five or the 50 cents versus a dollar. Mm -hmm. So those rules that I'm looking at, um, at 25% better than the standard building envelope, that's kind of where I'm beginning to qualify. Is that correct? Um, yes and no. So, yes, 25% is the minimum qualifying threshold. At 25%, get $2.50 per square foot, provided, of course, that the prevailing wage requirements are met. So, the minimum available deduction is larger 
than the largest available deduction even a year ago. So uh, a, a quite a substantial change and obviously a, a, a quite a bit lower of a threshold to qualify um, down to 25 cents from, uh, excuse me, 25% down from 50%. Now, Ken, I'll, I'll tell you and, and you know, speaking to uh, building envelope specialists, um, one of the changes made with the modeling process is that a, we can no longer look at a per system analysis. So the, the partial deduction for building envelope, interior lighting, and HVAC will go away starting in 2023. We must review the entire building as it exists, understanding that you know, older HVAC equipment could pull a building back, et cetera, is why that they dropped the minimum threshold to 25%. But we must uh, model the entire building as it exists. That makes perfect sense. I might want to grab a few LED light bulbs while I'm out there insulating <laughs> just to... Ab absolutely. Um, and, and um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of act as an energy service provider. Say, hey, while we're at it, we'll, we'll save you $5,000 a year. Let us install these light bulbs for you. So let's take a look at it. Absolutely. Well, and I would see where this would make me want to work with one of the local mechanical contractors so mm -hmm. that... If there's enough left in the rebate where they automatically, you know, get their uh, mechanical system replaced, maybe I get the mechanical contractor because they're going to get the work that I provided. Maybe I have them cover the Cherry Baker fee so that I wind up getting all of my side and they get, you know, a healthy part of their side. Who knows how all that works out? I don't know if there's rules around that or anything, but. For a building owner, and if I'm a commercial building, a private commercial building owner, or a for-profit, a store factory, or something like that, I'm the only one who can claim that deduction for that building. However, for buildings that are government-owned, and recently with um, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, expanding that to be any tax-exempt entity, so nonprofit hospitals, uh, private schools, churches, any 501c3s, they can also now allocate these deductions. In the instance where I'm pursuing a deduction for one of these tax-exempt entities, there is language in the, in, in the 170, section 179D that allows for multiple qualified parties to pursue a deduction and split it amongst themselves. Well, not quite. For the government or the nonprofit, excuse me, yeah, nonprofit owner to decide to whom and to how much they want to allocate. So if there's four people requesting a piece of the um, deduction, let's say, um, the mechanical engineer, the electrical engineer, the architects, you know, it, who, how, how many ever qualified people pursuing the deduction come to the table, the owner can decide to split it evenly amongst them, or maybe, you know, wait a little bit more for one party versus the other. It's up to them, but there are provisions to allow for the sharing of the deduction. Perfect. That, that answers a lot, actually. That helps. Yeah. So when you look at the envelope, Mm -hmm. uh, just in terms of what you've seen in the past, what work most commonly moves the needles or qualifies? Is it the air sealing? What What do you see in your modeling that typically gets the biggest bang for the effort? Well, I'll tell you the, the easiest to, to get across the line every single time is new construction. Um, anything built to modern building standards is going to beat that ASHRAE 2007. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the, the short answer right there. However, if I'm, if I'm doing renovations, 
um, if I'm doing um, retrofits, things like that, components of the building that are easily replaced are tend to be the, also the ones that, that push the needle the fastest, right? So curtain wall, for instance, models very well. It's very easy to, to um, you know, calculate an energy savings using low E or, uh, uh, yeah, like insulated glass curtain wall. But as you know, Ken, that's not an easy fix or an easy upgrade to make to a building. Um, so what I would say is focus on things like the roof. What components are the roof made out of? Uh, is the roof reflective? Um, does it have the two inch um, insulation? Is there an air barrier? Things like that. Um, because roofs get uh, replaced quite a bit or repaired quite a bit, um, uh, there's a lot of things that can be done to a roof to, to increase the energy efficiency. The one caveat that can is that the taller the building gets, the less the roof becomes a factor, as you as you probably know, right? Uh, a uh, a roof on a single story, hundred thousand square foot building is going to make up more of the envelope than a ten story, hundred thousand square foot building. So one thing to keep in mind. But again, I, I would say we spend a lot of time looking at roof systems. So we've got a lot of guys that foam a roof deck from the inside, though, and mm. you'll see it drop the energy right. bill in some cases to half or less. They'll go in, right. they'll air seal. You know, maybe they drop it down to three air changes and we still have dock doors. Right. Yeah, so what I'm looking at, how, you know, thinking in terms of a building envelope person or insulator, what's their best bang for the buck? What projects do you see out there that maybe are tailored for them? The, the projects that always get our ears kind of pricked up are energy upgrades. Um, not just, hey, the insulation got wet or we had storm damage. It's the owner, along with the, the installer, the contractors, are developing a plan to save energy. So the, the, um, in, especially in the insulation world, it's pretty straightforward. Um, the materials that we can use, maybe instead of, maybe we use R30, right, which is above and beyond most building codes this, uh, today is, is like R30 insulation. Maybe we're going to use that, upgrade the, the insulation, and, and we'll pay for it with the help of this, this one-to-man fee deduction. Uh, any, any situation where a, a party is working to create a plan to reduce the energy efficiency, or excuse me, the energy consumption versus just damage, you know, damage repair, things like that. Um, the insulation gets old and, and we put in, you know, uh, like, uh, you, you just replace it in kind. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get some, some movement out of there, but, um, it's the, uh, the projects where they're working with, say, an energy service provider, um, to, to help put together a plan um, to actually save energy dollars. Realistically, if I'm taking a building from 12 air changes mm -hmm. down to three, right, that's going to be big. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the envelope in the, in the scheme of energy modeling, the envelope makes up a fairly small component of, of the things that are considered. Um, in that, uh, a, an energy efficient building, um, it, it's, and, and again, this is just from the, from the framework of ASHRAE 90.1, um, the envelope's considered, uh, it, it, makes, it makes up about 20% of the analysis. Um, so if, if you can reduce the energy consumption just with those changes to the envelope, then you're going to qualify most times, especially with that reduction in the threshold down to 25%. Um, you know, we, we haven't, it's the, the, um, 
the updates to to everything have been fairly new only in the past couple of months, but we have not had a project yet that didn't cross the line in some way, maybe not the maximum every time, but but um, the, the model's been performing really well. You haven't had one that didn't Correct. qualify. That's, that's Correct. outstanding. Correct. So at what step in the process should they get you involved? Should they be reaching out in advance before they go out and bust open the project? Absolutely. Um, so if you've got a completed design or if you've got a request for proposal or request for a quote um, from a party, uh, you know, from, from a building owner, and they say, we want to cut energy costs by this much, um, or we want, yeah, we want a proposal on how to cut energy costs. Um, bring us that information. Show us, show us what you've got, what your ideas are for it, and, and we'll let you know um, as it integrates into the rest of the project if, if it, it's going to make a meaningful change from the point of view of a 179D model. So, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we perform those, those upfront reviews gratis. Um, we'll, we'll let you know. Yeah, and again, it's a fairly high level analysis, um, but we'll we'll give you an idea if it's going to be close or not. Um, and then, you know, after that, we can actually perform the the analysis if you became engaged with us. So, in your time of doing these, what type of buildings seem to be the best targets? Are there any out there that just seem to win every time, or is it just all across the board? New construction. I mean, and and Ken, you've been doing this a while. Uh, the newer buildings, just in the past few years, the incredible advancements that have been made in the areas of energy efficiency, uh, the the near 100% adoption of LEDs, for instance, um, the the, adopt, the widespread adoption of digital controls for HVAC systems, um, insulated glass, you know, low E windows for for envelope, just in the past, not even 10 years, maybe five, six, seven years, um, have been huge for any kind of building, whether it's a hospital, whether it's a high school, church, things like that. I will tell you that uh, there is a sweet spot, two sweet spots. Very small buildings tend to, to um, yield good 179D performance and very large buildings tend to. And um, that's kind of part of the, the, the dark magic with, uh, with modeling that I'm, I'm not 100% um, comfortable with, uh, you, you know, with the nomenclature, but there's a, there's a kind of group in the middle there um, of about a few hundred thousand square feet that they, they, they're a little bit harder to, to calculate a deduction for. Um, so if I'm a, doing a project and it's a real small building or again, a real large one, and I'm talking four or five, six hundred thousand square feet where there's like a central plant, those tend to perform pretty well, provided of course that the equipment's up to date. So you brought up building owners as the greatest benefactors. And I will mm -hmm. tell you, most of ours probably will be retrofit. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, and not knocking new construction, they still go out and do it. But, right. you know, there's there's less envelope work on those. Right. But you brought up, you know, building owners. And I would say most of our contractors own a building. What would you tell them about their own shops? Right. Well, can I, I, I would go into it assuming that they're pretty well insulated. Um, I would hope so. As I mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation, that um, this was originally intended for commercial building owners. So if you have a warehouse, um, a, a prefab facility, something like that, um, office space, obviously, that you own, even uh, under its own LLC, 
you likely do qualify for some form of 179D deduction, especially if it's a newer building, especially if you've done any kind of upgrades to the building over the past few years. So if you are interested in recouping some costs on a recent project, maybe you just rebuilt your warehouse or expanded it, something like that, 179D almost always will be eligible for you, uh, provided, of course, that it's going to you know, put you in that positive tax position that we were talking about earlier. You, know, you, you brought up building owners being the greatest benefactors, just like plumbers don't really do their plumbing. <laughs> You'll find the, the worst landscaping at a landscaper's house. I go in and I see guys with shops that'll fit trucks in them. Right. And they're just a metal building. They are totally uninsulated. <laughs> And yeah. so that's why I was thinking, you know, our, our contractors could benefit from this. Right, right. Man, maybe uh, maybe you're up in the, the Midwest and it's Ohio and you guys are getting pretty cold, you know, uh, inflate the building, uh, you know, get them some comfort and uh, you can claim a 179 ID deduction and recoup a good bit of the cost. Again, up to $5 per square foot, um, which goes a long way to offset, you know, inflation costs. I will say, that in my experience, like warehouses, they tend to qualify pretty well uh, because the energy consumption is very low in them. Um, you know, even up north, they'll have like unit heaters just enough to keep the facility above freezing. Um, the lighting is fairly sparse, you know, bright enough to work in, but it's not a hospital. And for that reason, the energy consumption is pretty low. So um, if you're doing some kind of upgrade to the building, again, new construction, let's say you put in new unit heaters or something like that. It could be a, a eligible to receive a deduction, even if you don't think of it like a very efficient facility you haven't put in the, the latest HVAC or something like that. Nice. I like that. So let's talk a little bit about the 45L then. What's changing okay. on the 45L? So as I mentioned earlier, um, 45L is the kind of residential half of, of the energy incentives. Um, so if it is not a commercial space, it's a residence. So 45L has gone through some fantastic, very exciting changes uh, here in the past just couple months along with 179B. So starting in 2023, an eligible qualified residence may receive up to $5,000 credit per unit. So for a single family home, for a manufactured home, that's $5,000 per unit. For an apartment building, that is $5,000 per apartment or, or condo or what have you. So if you are constructing building you own, if you're renting, whatever, a 20 unit building, do the math pretty quickly. It's a very large credit. And again, I'll say that it's a credit versus a deduction. So the 45L credit is a dollar for dollar reduction in, in tax liability. So that adds up very, very quickly. Um, the, the qualifications are a little bit different. Unlike comparing it to ASHRAE, uh, it's more of a checklist that um, starting in 2023, an eligible building will meet all of the Energy Star requirements at the national and local level. And to get a bonus credit to get up to that $5,000, you will meet those requirements plus the new Zero Energy Ready Home Program, um, which is a house that is built to accept renewable energy. It doesn't necessarily have to run off of uh, renewable energy, but it has to be able to um, accept it. So for instance, your roof is uh, sturdy enough to hold up solar panels, that <laughs> um, there's not significant shade over your roof. So if you did put solar, solar panels on there, they could, they could run on the house off of it, things like that. Again, you do not need to have that equipment installed, but it does need to be ready to install to get that $5,000. So 
if you are the developer, owner, et cetera, of uh, one of these energy efficient homes, the, the credit available to you is massive uh, compared to, to years past. That's great. Twenty five hundred yeah. for meeting Energy Star, five grand for net zero ready or inter, you know uh, NZE. I know that there was the changes, but for the guys listening today that worked on houses this last year, mm-hmm. um, they also instituted. Can't they go back and get money for the projects they did in twenty twenty two, provided they meet the standards that existed then? Absolutely. So uh, 45L did lapse for a period, um, but part of the Inflation Reduction Act uh, not only expanded it, but also extended it retroactively. So 2022 projects are back on the menu. Uh, it will be, they will be compared to the older standard. I think it's the 2006 IECC is what it is. So if you beat that by 50%, you get up to $2,000 per unit. That's, that's for, for houses placed in the service to, uh, 2022 and, and prior. 45L as well, if I'm doing multifamily, that also mm. kicks back in the prevailing wage. Is, is that correct? Yes. Uh, with the same asterisks that I mentioned before, which is at this time, that has not been finalized, promulgated, et cetera, by the secretary. So any project that's in process right now would be grandfathered in. But yes, eventually a multifamily unit will need to meet those requirements if they want to hit that $5,000 per unit maximum. Give me a little background. Why, uh, why would Cherry be involved in this? What's, what's you guys' part? Well, so, so Cherry Beckert's been around for about 75 years. Um, in fact, we're, we're celebrating our 75th anniversary this year. Um, and we are primarily a CPA firm, um, though we offer a wide range of financial services um, that address probably just about any industry that you can think of. Um, and a major component of our business uh, are companies that make up members of the construction industry, real estate, um, architecture, engineering, things like that. So getting into energy efficient commercial deductions, credits, um, such as cost irrigation, things like that, uh, it, it's an easy move for, for a company like Sherry Beckert. Um, and something that I've, I've always liked about them since starting is that they they always explore different ways to, to serve their clients um, you know in addition to just the core tax um, duties that they perform them for them so uh, they've made a concerted effort over the past few years to bring as much uh, talent uh, and knowledge in these different spheres uh, such not only with once and D um, but also things like the research and development tax credit uh, recently, the employee retention credit has been a big part of uh, what Cherry Beckert's been able to bring to the table for for clients and, and potential clients. So um, that's you know, really the to sum it up. Uh, Cherry Beckert's always looking wait for ways to to make things better for for our clients and and uh, you know for our potential clients. What is the best way then for our contractors to reach out and get a hold of you when they have a project? Uh, well. Uh, I personally am uh, available at any time to, to feel these kind of questions. Um, I can be reached by email. Um, I think uh, I think you provided it as part of the uh, the outreach for this, but it's bill b i l l dot harbison h a r b e s o n at cvh dot com, um, and it's it's all I do is, is education and awareness on these kind of projects. Um, I'll, I'll work with you to review your work, whether it's past or present. And, um, and and let you know if we think uh, you know the deduction or credit be um, a good fit for you. 
Awesome. By the way, thank Cherry Baker for uh, not making us spell out their email in order to do that. <laughs> I like that. At cbh.com. I'm really yeah. thrilled about that. <laughs> So, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, uh, you know, it gets a little, little tricky when, when you got to spell out, uh, you know, all five words. So yeah, CBA is very convenient. <laughs> so my, my name's not super easy. So I wish it was like Ben Smith or something. That would be very easy. But uh, maybe you know, we can get you an you alias. <laughs> maybe yeah. If I get enough people reaching out to me, I, I can probably get our, uh, our director of operations to give me a like a like a one name like Share or something like that. Share at Cherry Baker or at CBH. Sorry, CBH, there we go. CBH, that's right. Well, Bill, thank you so much for going through this and uh, adding a lot of light to the 179D subject. Uh, hopefully, maybe we can put together a uh, workshop piece or something like that to add to the website coming up next year. But uh, as things roll out, we probably will likely reach out to you again and maybe even show an example model sometime in a video oh man that'd be fantastic uh, yeah it's a great idea well i i can't i can't thank you enough for for having me today um yeah, as i mentioned this is this is my job and getting the opportunity to talk about this is uh is a big part of my day and a big part of my week so um excited to do it for you awesome well thanks so much to all of you for listening to the r value podcast today again we are trying to do these things for you if there's any subject you would like us to cover please reach out you can reach out to your local branch reach out to those of us at the corporate office where we look forward to earning your business every day Music